So we used to sail quite a bit as kids up at Cover Lake in North Jersey where my grandparents had a little cabin and it's still part of the family up there. We got to sail and we would put a uh, the centerboard in the sailboat which would be able to sail through the uh, through the waves. At times, we would enjoy taking the centerboard out and just trying. We would float all over the place and then we would easily tip over. And it's just like any boat. You've seen them out in the oceans. You've seen them in the waves. When they have that hull that goes deep down into the water, they are able to have the stability that they need. And what I want to share this morning is just four truths that we're going to see from this passage that I pray that God drives down deep into your core, deep into your soul, so that you will know God's sovereignty and that you will walk in light of his sovereignty. Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. If you have your Bibles, please turn with uh, me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. So I think I've mentioned this before, knowing Joe for a while, but has any, did any of you, have any of you seen pictures with his long hair? When he had long hair, does anybody remember that? So when he walked into Lincroft, we thought that like Jesus walked into Lincroft. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And then we saw him be blessed with his marriage to Diane. Um, so it didn't take long for us to know that he wasn't Jesus, and then we definitely understood the grace of God that he married Diane. So that was a couple of things that happened um, pretty quickly. How many, uh, how many people like to sail here? Any sailors? Any boat people? Okay, what is the bottom part of the boat called that goes way down deep into the water? Hull, right? What's the keel? Does anybody know what the keel is? Any boat people, right, goes down? Is anybody like uh, sailing like a sunfish or maybe like a little uh, turn or something like that? Does that sound familiar to anybody? You put a board in and out, right, the center board, right? Okay, so we used to sail quite a bit as kids up at Cover Lake in North Jersey where my grandparents had a little cabin and it's still part of the family up there. We got to sail and we would put a... Uh, the centerboard in the sailboat, which would be able to sail through the, uh, through the waves. At times, we would enjoy taking the centerboard out and just trying, we would float all over the place and then we would easily tip over. And it's just like any boat, you've seen them out in the oceans, you've seen them in the waves. When they have that hull that goes deep down into the water, they are able to have the stability that they need. And what I want to share this morning is just four truths that we're going to see from this passage that I pray that God drives down deep into your core, deep into your soul, so that you will know God's sovereignty and that you will walk in light of his sovereignty. So that's what I want to look at this morning are just four truths 
that I pray you drive down deep, just like the centerboard in a boat, because that keeps us going to the destination that we want to go. When we take that away, we just float around and we bounce around and we don't really have uh, purpose or direction. So the first truth that I want to look at, you can write this one down, right? The first truth is that God is on the throne. God is on the throne. He always has been on the throne and he always will be on the throne. I want to just read the, uh, the first four verses here in chapter 12. It is about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So Ken, you just told us to put down deep in our souls the truth that God is on the throne. That does not sound, according to that passage, like God is on the throne. Right? A little earlier, Stephen was stoned. Now King Herod has James killed. Now King Herod puts Peter into prison, and, and the church is hiding out. So it sure seems like King Herod is on the throne. And I think if we ask ourselves as we look around and we see the things that are going on in our own lives, if we see the things that are going on politically, socially, we wonder, is God truly on the throne? We ask questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do God's people suffer? Why do the unrighteous prosper? And I believe... Uh, Maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag, I don't know, but I think Joe's doing a series on Job, so you're going to have a bunch of those uh, questions uh, being answered. But God wants us to drive down deep in our souls that he is on the throne, that he is sovereign, that he is in control. Listen with me to, uh, to some of the testimony of Scripture here. I'm not going to read all the... Uh, the different uh, the, uh, the the addresses for these. I'm just going to read them. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. For God is the King of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Whether you live in America, whether you live in Syria, whether you live in Russia, whether you live in Korea, God is on the throne. Whether you align yourself on the right side or the left side politically, God is on the throne. Whether you lost your job or you just landed a great job, God is on the throne. Whether you got into the college of your choice or you didn't get into the college of your choice, God is on the throne. Whether the medical test came back negative or came back positive, God is on the throne. Whether your child made a good choice 
or made a bad choice, God is on the throne. Whether your paycheck is one million or one hundred dollars, he is on the throne. Whatever your situation, God is on the throne and he is in control. I had two first cousins, went up to the towers, ran up the towers 9-11, never came back. You could say, and then there's other firemen that didn't run up the towers and they're alive. You could say, Ken, well, did they know the Lord? No, they didn't know the Lord. Well, I would say, doesn't matter. I had another friend, 9-11, believer, going to the towers. They fell. He never returned. Another believer didn't go to work that day, and he is alive. God is on the throne, and his purposes will prevail, and our uh, faith, what we need to do is walk in the midst of his sovereignty, trusting that his plans are good in the midst of the hurt. I'm not saying that there's not tremendous hurt and sorrow and heartache and all of those questions that I asked. But as we're going to see, our job is to walk by faith in the midst of his sovereignty. Truth number two. So the first truth is God is on the throne. Drive that deep down into your soul. The second truth is, is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Look at what, look at what Peter is doing here. So if we continue in verse five, it says, oh, I'm going to have to get these on, I think. All right. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, so really that is like 16 soldiers when you look at what that is. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter's side said, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was, uh, what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, and he came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me with Her from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Look at what Peter is doing. Peter is sound asleep the day before he is going to get executed. How many of you would be sound asleep the day before you're going to be executed? Right? Peter is definitely somebody that learned that God is on the throne and that learned that his promises are true and he believed his promises. I think he had a little bit of an advantage though and that's because of this. In John 21, 18, Jesus actually told Peter that he was gonna live to a long age. So it says in John 21, 18, Jesus speaking to Peter says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you, wanted, where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you don't want to go. So Peter knew 
that he was going to live to an old age. And Peter was sleeping, trusting in the promises of God. Now, I think it's very, personally, I think this is like an extremely uh, entertaining passage. Okay? You think about it. Peter gets arrested. He's in chains, right? And then uh, with 16 guards, guards right next to him, he's sleeping. He's probably sleeping on the shoulder of one of the guards or something. Then the angel of the Lord, he's sleeping so hard, what does the angel of the Lord have to do? Has to just like jab him, it says, right? So wake up, right? Put on your clothes, right? And then, and then they walk out. But we're going to look later. I think it's very interesting, right, that God has us do this. God is sovereign, and he could have completely woken him up. He just broke into jail. So why does he break into jail and then wake him up, right? Why doesn't he just do both? Then he takes the chains off. They're automatically come off, right? But then he tells them to put his clothes on. He could have just simply had his clothes put on, right? And then they're, and then they're walking, right? And then the gate just opens, but he's walking. So we're going to see again at the end here, as much as we trust in that God is on the throne as much as we trust in his promises, what does he have us do in the midst of them? He has us walk by faith, right? So we need to be strong and courageous as, as Pastor Mike preached a little while ago from Joshua. We need to be strong and courageous, but at the same time, we need to trust that the Lord is with us, that the Lord's promises are true, that he is on the throne, but we need to walk by faith. Understand the, the combination, right? We need to trust and we need to obey. So I, I kind of think of it as an illustration. I think of it as uh, when my children were learning how to swim and you would put your hand underneath them and they would swim, right? And, they, and then at times you got to maybe do a little bit more or a little bit less. And I think what we need to understand with God's sovereignty and God being on the throne and God's promises being true and then how we walk by faith. As far as my little guys with their swimming, just swim, just swim. Just go ahead and do your swimming. At the same time, I'm gonna be there underneath you, you're gonna be fine. And I think that's how we need to go in this walk of faith. There's going to be things that are very tough that are gonna challenge our understanding of, of who the Lord is. But we need to trust that his everlasting arms are underneath us and that our job with his plans for us is that we walk by faith, that we just keep swimming and that we're strong and courageous in the days that the Lord has given us with what he desires that we do, that we are to keep swimming, keep walking by faith. Let me review just a few of these God's, a few God's promises that we know, but let me refresh uh, us with some of them. John 316. That's a promise. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What a great promise to hold on to. John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Joshua 1.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good for those that love him and are called together to his, according to his purposes. 
Romans 8.38, For I am convinced that neither left death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise! Right? He is on the throne. His promises are true. He is our Heavenly Father. And nothing's ever going to separate us from Him in life or in death. About four years ago, my father passed away. Family was sitting. uh, He had a massive stroke, and it kept getting worse. We were sitting at his bedside. We were working with the doctors. We were trying to figure out what to do. What could we try to do? You know, what, how many more tests? You know, many of you are, maybe you're, you're there in this situation now. You've probably been very emotional, hard. Like, we, we want to hang on. What can, let's just wait and see. And my niece, she's in her uh, early 30s now. She was sitting there. She's been a nurse forever. She loved my dad. She loved us. She looked at us and she said, very, with truth and kindness, she says, like, why? Why? Um, isn't the promise true to be absent? When you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. She said, Pup-up's about to be with Jesus right now. So, yes, of course, do what you're going to do to try to have somebody live um, by all means. But at the same time, let them go. So we all said, we said, you know, we, we said goodbye. We uh, prayed. We loved each other. But with that truth that she said at that time, that promise, our whole thinking went from the crazy, like, what are we going to do to try to make this work, to resting in God's promise. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And it was within that day that he went to be with the Lord. Truth number one, he is on the throne. Truth number two, he keeps his promises. Truth number three, God answers prayer. He answers prayer. So we see in verse... uh, in verse 5, right? Can I see that number correctly? Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was praying. Later, verse 12. Um, well, let, let, me, let, me read the, uh, let me read the rest of this all the way to 12. So Peter followed him out of the prison, that's the angel, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was sleeping or having a vision. This is just an excellent, entertaining passage. They passed the first and second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened by itself, and they went through it. Okay, So Peter's walking, the gate opens. There's, There's faith and sovereignty right there. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself. Now, without a doubt, that was the angel. He rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. So when this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So here's my point, is that the church was praying. But we have to read the rest of this. Peter knocked at the door. 
The servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Okay, so first of all, I'm in prison. I escape because the angel comes and does this total... I come, I knock on the door. They get so excited, they don't even let him in. I just think that's absolutely hilarious, right? So then they go back, and then it's like, what are you doing? Go back and let him in, right? So then they let him in, and then he's like, shh, be quiet, right? And then he leaves, and then he goes back into hiding. Do you see the combination there? If he was like, hey, God is on the throne. Let's make as much noise as possible. Let's wake up all the guards. Let's wake up King Herod. Let's all get shot and killed. That's, right? That's, that's dumb playing God's sovereignty. No, what are we to do? Strong and courageous, smart, use wisdom. He just escapes. He goes, knocks on the door. He wants to tell his friends. He thanks them for praying. And he's like, I'm out of here. and I'm going to hiding. Right? God wants us to walk by faith, but to use wisdom and to be smart. We live in a very politically hyped world right now. Right? How do we operate in the midst of that? How do we trust God in the midst of that? How do we walk by faith and not just be like, hey, we're never going to follow any of your rules. Look at us. That's not, okay, but some of your rules push it past what we think God would have us do. So we might have to like not do, like we need wisdom in everything that we do in life. We need wisdom on how to trust the sovereignty of God, how to trust that he's on the throne. His promises are true, but I need to be strong and courageous in this. Walk by faith. Lord, give us wisdom on how we are to walk into this life. So, but I'm on the third point here, which God answers prayer. So the church was fervently praying. Church was fervently praying. I'll tell you one thing, which I was very encouraged. So I, I came to the last Sunday, and Mike was speaking, and then I came to uh, today because I'm speaking. And then there were a couple other things that two, two of the four times that I've been here, um, I, I was, I was in, it was great to just be with some of the, and to pray. Like your elders and your leaders and your pastors and your, they're praying. Be a, continue to be a praying church. That's a great sign, fervently and earnestly praying as a church. My mini theology on prayer is this. If you want to, here's my mini theology on prayer. God asks us to pray. Jesus prayed. Jesus taught us how to pray. Therefore, we should be praying. So I understand there's a lot of questions about prayer. Why do we pray if God's going to do what he does? Why do we pray if God is on the throne? Why do we pray if God works all things together for the good? Well, I'll just say, God tells you to pray. Jesus prayed. Jesus taught us how to pray. And he asked us to pray. So we should be about praying. A few verses on prayer. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which, which we have asked him. Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And to remind you that we are in a battle. I think you know we're in a battle. 
but it's a good reminder. We need to be warriors and soldiers. We do not need to be couch potatoes. We not, we not need to be sitting on the couch eating potato chips while this world goes on and while people are going to hell and God calls us to be strong and courageous and go and share the gospel. There's no time for sitting down on the couch. We need to be soldiers and we need to be warriors. Look what it says in Ephesians 6. There is a battle going on, a spiritual battle. And at the end, he says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Samuel Chadwick, probably heard uh, one of your pastors use this quote, 19th century Wesleyan pastor, says this, Satan Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Stephanie and I have been married 25 years. The biggest change in our marriage, so uh, do ministry couples ever struggle? Do Christian couples ever struggle? (laughs) Yes, right? The biggest change in our marriage came when we decided to pray with each other every day. Did we have a, we were married, it was, it was good, you know, it's fine. In ministry, things were, but when we started to pray together every day, our marriage changed. I would encourage you to pray with your spouses every day. Where do you think, if Satan, want to attack, Satan wants to attack anywhere, that's where it's going to start, right? With, with marriages, with families. You know, if I can destroy this marriage, I can destroy those children. They will hate the church. There we go. Right? If I can get these guys disunified, then there can be disunity in the church. Then the kids will hate the disunity and they'll hate the church. There we go. Right? Let us pray. We are in a battle. Satan is attacking. Right? The world's attacking. Our flesh attacks. Satan attacks. Let us pray as warriors and let us start as husbands and wives. Husbands, I challenge you, it's humble yourself and ask your wife to pray and get together and pray. It doesn't need to be anything. We use a book when we pray, right? We literally go through a book. And some of it's just specifically in regards to praying for our children. If you ever want, uh, it's a power of a, power of a praying parent, right? It's a great book, Power of a Praying Parent. So God is on the throne, truth number one. God keeps his promises, Truth number two, God answers prayer. And the, the last one here, we have been talking about it as we've been going, but God asks us to walk by faith in light of the fact that he is sovereign. God asks us to walk by faith in light of the fact that he is sovereign. And what I mean, I've been, I've been sprinkling that through, but what I mean by that is really Colossians 28 and 29, that we are to labor in agonizing according to what? We are to labor and agonize in our ministry work according to the power of the Spirit that works within us. That is what the Colossians passage is. Okay? I, Paul said, I labor and agonize according to the mighty power that works within me. We can do nothing, John fifteen five, apart from him, but we are, to, we are to remain connecting, to connect it. How do we remain connected? By faith, by dependence upon him by holding his hand as we walk through the battles. Um, what, I, what I want to uh, 
what I want to do is I want to end. The, the praise team is going to sing a song. Um, but before I do that, I want to read this. The end of the chapter. So uh, Peter sees his uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and then he leaves for another place. And then 18, it says, In the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and order, ordered that they be executed. Oh, oh, I thought I went out. Ordered that the guards be executed. Why were the guards executed? Because their one job was to watch. And when you don't follow through on your watch, you're going to be executed. Then Herod went to Judea, to Caesarea, to Caesarea, and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blasus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's uh, country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat out on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Is this not the best chapter, right? It is filled with so much, right? Peter's arrested. Peter's sleeping. An angel comes pokes him up. You need to wake up and you need to walk. Well, like, then the chains fall off. Now he's walking, right? We see so much in here. And then at the end, we see that this guy that is coming against God's children die instantly and and eaten by worms, right? If we do not understand, we need to see that God is on the throne, right? Things are going to, things are going to be hard, but we can trust that he's on the throne. And what do we do? Rejoice. Give thanks. Walk by faith. Trust me in the midst of all of this. So I, want to, I was mentioning, I want to close with a song because I received a, a song this week from a friend of mine, a Chris Tomlin song called Sovereign. One of my best friends grew up with him, was in his wedding. He had uh, four or five kids. We have five kids. We kind of followed all along. Well, he came down with cancer uh, five or six years ago, right? He was, so I've been following him. He lives out in Minnesota. We, he's, everything that I'm saying is on Facebook, so it's not anything that I can't tell you. So he was recently given time. He says, it's all over the place now. It's in your hair. It's in your lungs. So he was on he was, he was saying, today was a rough day. Today was a day that I had to talk to my children about um, we were given a time frame. Does it mean absolutely that I'm going to die? No. We're going to do everything we can. But he's, he's just kind of talking to his close friends about that. But in the, midst of the, in the midst of all of this, which is crazy hard, with so emotional, like you should see the texts and the uh, and what he says, because he says exactly what is, is in this passage. He is walking by faith in the midst of having a death sentence. In the midst of saying, I have six months and my son's wedding is coming up in a month. I hope I make his wedding. These are the, these are the discussions. And this is, he goes, 
I hope sharing the song with you will encourage you today. I pray that you will have a great day, but maybe also it'll be a hard day. Whatever kind of day it is, God is with you. He is with you in the calm, and he is with you in the storm. Whenever I have failed, this is him speaking, whenever I have failed to trust in God, being reminded through God's word of his sovereignty, of his never-failing love, of his amazing grace, and his trustworthiness, these are wonderful gifts from above. I had his three kids in my house last night. They were, we were with them yesterday. Uh, why is their dad dying and why do my kids not have a dad that's dying? Right? We can all ask millions of questions like that. But may we trust God's sovereignty. May we walk in the midst of God's sovereignty. May we love him and care for one another in the midst of, of going through these God is with you in the calm. He's with you in the storm. Whether you're having a great day or a bad day, he's with you. May the song of God's sovereignty encourage you. And you know, I fail. I don't trust God at times, and I sin. But I'm reminded from his word of his never-failing love for me and his amazing grace and his trustworthiness, how they are gifts from above. Father, as we uh, sing this song to you that the praise band will lead us in, may we uh, love you and trust you and thank you. And may we live for eternity. May we know that when we are absent from this body, we will be present with you. In the midst of the hardest things that we face each day, sickness, uh, unjust, unjust actions, May we trust you and walk with you. May we be strong and courageous with the days that you have given to us because you know the number of days that we have. You've known that all along, yet you ask us to just keep swimming. Keep swimming. I got you. You just keep swimming. You know that I have you and my everlasting arms are under you. You just keep swimming and trust me. In Jesus' name, amen.